everybody, my name is Jasmine Nicole and you are tuned in to Seasoned Crime. This is a weekly podcast that highlights stories about minorities, every color, race, location, religion, sexual orientation. We don't discriminate against any of it. The person highlighted in each story I do will fall into a minority status. There's so many resources for the majority and I just want to use the voice that I have to speak up and to speak out on those who don't always get recognized. True crime is so diverse. Crime has no boundaries, and I don't want this show to have any either. Seasoned crime is me saying that I want to give you the true crime that you love and add a little bit of needed seasoning to it. Before getting into today's story, I want to take a little bit of time to stop and give my sincere thanks to every single person who has listened to an episode of this show. Just for a little bit of a history lesson on how we got here, I am a big fan of the true crime podcast without all the extra banter and all the talking. I just appreciate the crime, but I do feel like I haven't really given you guys any details on how seasoned crime came to be. I've always loved true crime, but podcasts are actually fairly new for me. I would say that podcasts started to become a thing for me about two to three years ago. And when I first started listening to podcasts, all the ones that I listened to were self-help or business and motivational related. I'm not sure how seeing on the kind of podcast that I was listening to, but somehow I, my listening platform, it kept suggesting, um, podcasts that I should listen to and my favorite murder kept coming up. I didn't think anything of it until 2020 happened. And just like everyone else, I had absolutely nothing but time on my hand. And so, uh, when I'd opened it up, And I saw once again, my favorite murder was being suggested as a podcast that I should listen to. I said, you know what? We may as well go ahead and do it. I have nothing else but time. Let's give it a shot. Oh, needless to say, I was hooked after the first episode. Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstart took something that I have always been so interested in, which is crime, and they made it fun and funny, but yet informative and serious. From there, I became a crime junkie and I became obsessed with Ashley Flowers and Brit. And then this whole true crime podcast thing became a full-fledged obsession. Whenever I needed a break from the shows that I was listening to, I would just go and search for another true crime podcast to binge for a little bit to give me a little bit of time off. But I would, I always go back. We all know that 2020 was not just the year of lockdown, but a lot of social and racial issues came out around the world. I started noticing that my favorite podcasters were telling more and more stories of injustice, and it just made me really see that something was missing. I felt like I needed to hear some of these stories from people that were more relatable to these stories. From there, seasoned crime started forming from just an idea to something that I really wanted to get off the ground. I knew absolutely nothing about podcasts, so I literally started from the bottom, and I had to figure out how to turn nothing into something. Each episode has taught me more and more. I I, I still can't believe this is real. As of me recording this show today, we're at a total of 959 show downloads. 
I am hoping to end the year exceeding a thousand. So the best and only gift that I ask for anyone who is taking the time to listen is to please share this podcast wherever, whenever. So now on to why you came here in the first place, and that's to hear a true crime story. Today, I'm going to take you to Virginia. Think about the last time you left your home to run an errand. You're on a mission to get wherever it is you're going to take care of whatever it is you need to take care of. And you just happen to stop and get gas. So you go and get gas and you're never seen again. That is exactly what happened to this beautiful girl we're going to talk about today. Go ahead and scoot on up to the table because today I have a treat for you. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Alexis Murphy. 17-year-old Alexis Murphy was a soon-to-be high school senior in Nelson County, Virginia. On August 3, 2013, Alexis got in her white 2003 Nissan Maxima and left her home. She was headed to go pick up some hair. So if you're not familiar with this, um, a lot of people sell hair extensions. The quality of the extensions is different um, between the hair. And so depending, use people go to different people. Um, you can, yes, you can go to the store, but um, there are so are a lot of um, just people who sell it. Some have like a wholesale business and some it's just, it's just a side hustle. So in this case, the hair that Alexis wanted was across town. So she took the drive alone to go and pick it up herself. Again, she was 17. Um, she had her license. She was about to be a senior. So going alone was no big deal. Alexis lived in Shipman and she was getting the hair from Lynchburg. Those two cities are about a 40 minute drive apart. So not even a full hour. Before getting to her location, Alexis stopped and got gas at Liberty Gas Station that was less than 10 minutes away from her hometown. People remember seeing Alexis in the gas station, and they also remember seeing her in her car drive away from the gas station. But after that, there would be no more signs of Alexis ever again. Alexis's family was going out of their minds trying to figure out what happened. They searched the route from her home to where she was going, but there was no signs of her at all. She had a cell phone, but whenever they called it, it would just go straight to voicemail. So I'm going to pause right here. Y'all know I like to pause in the middle of stories. I, I do have to pause and emphasize the importance. I don't know if this applies to this story or not, but I just want to make sure that everyone is sharing their location with someone. Even if it's just one or two people that you trust, make sure that your location is constantly being shared with them just in case anything ever happens. That will allow you to um, allow someone to see the location of your phone. And even if your phone's turned off, it will show the last known location of where it was. But Alexis's family, they looked everywhere. They, they couldn't find anything. They were, you know, out of their minds trying to figure out what happened to their daughter. On August 6th, three days after Alexis went missing, they finally got a break. Alexis's white Nissan Maxima was found at a theater parking lot about 30 minutes from the gas station that she was last seen at. The investigators spent the next few days going through the vehicle and looking for anything that they could. Four days after finding the vehicle, the cops thought that they had a possible suspect. 
When Alexis left the gas station, she was seen on the surveillance, as well as by witnesses, talking to a man, so they wanted to see if this guy possibly knew something. On the camera for the surveillance video, you can see this man holding the door open for her and having a conversation with her while she was walking out, and when the vehicle drove off, Alexis followed in the direction of that vehicle, which was the opposite way of where she was headed. The man in this video had a distinct tattoo on his neck, so it wouldn't be too hard to recognize. So within 24 hours, the cops circulated this picture of this possible suspect, um, hoping to identify who this man was. He would come to be identified by a local porn shop owner who stated that that man that they were looking for was 48-year-old Randy Taylor. The cops wasted no time at all once they had identified Randy. They searched his trailer and, wouldn't you know, there was evidence of Alexis being there. They found some strands of her hair throughout the trailer, along with some of her DNA. When searching the trailer further, they saw some things under the couch. As if the strands of hair weren't enough, under the couch, there was a full-on track of hair, along with a false eyelash and a t-shirt that she had been last seen in, and that t-shirt was stained in blood. The investigators also went back and looked at the surveillance video from around the theater where Alexis's vehicle was found. In the video, you can see the vehicle coming into the theater. However, you can't see the driver. And when the vehicle goes to its location, it drives out of the camera view. Although there is no visual proof that Randy was the driver of the vehicle, Randy was seen about 30 minutes later after the vehicle was parked at the theater parking lot, and he's now at an Applebee's where he's ordering a few beers. Randy got to that Applebee's via taxi. 2013 of 2013, Randy was charged with two felonies. He was indicted on first-degree murder, first-degree felony murder, and abduction with an attempt to defile. Almost a year after Alexis went missing, Randy's case went to trial. Even though Alexis's body had never been found, prosecutors believed that they had enough evidence to go to trial without it. The case caught a lot of local media attention, especially due to the fact that Alexis had still not been found. Jury selection alone took eight hours, and to make sure that everything stayed untainted, Judge Michael Gamble issued a gag order to stop law enforcement, lawyers, and the employees of the lawyers from speaking out publicly against the case. Randy pled not guilty, insisting that he didn't kill Alexis. Randy admitted that yes, Alexis did follow him from the gas station, and she did come to his trailer, but she wasn't alone. She came with another man named Damien Bradley, and they were there at his home to buy drugs from Randy. Damien fled the state soon after the disappearance of Alexis, and Randy's lawyer argued that that was a huge red flag. He said that the investigation was based so much on Randy that they never even took the time to investigate anyone else. He did have a bit of a point. 
not much attention was put on any other suspects, but it was for good reason. I mean, there was quite a bit of evidence that couldn't be disputed, starting with the items that were found in Randy's trailer. They had her hair track, her bloody shirt, and her eyelash. They would also end up finding an earring stud and Alexis's torn fingernail. Her cell phone ended up being found smashed and broken about 70 feet from the trailer, and records confirmed that she was at the trailer on the day of her disappearance. Randy insisted that Alexis and Damien both came over and they left together, but Damien had a solid alibi for that time. Prosecutor Anthony Martin spoke out saying, quote, is it reasonable to leave without your hair extension, fingernail, bloody shirt, and your cell phone? Alexis may have come willingly and it may have been to buy drugs, but to say that she left willingly, that, that's just not possible. The jury didn't think so either, and on May 8, 2014, Randy was found guilty of first-degree murder with no body. During the sentencing phase, Randy stuck to his story that he was there, Damien was there, but now he says there was a third person involved and he would provide them with the name of that third person as well as the location of Alexis's body in exchange for a 20-year sentence. This offer was almost laughable for the judge and of course it was denied. Randy was instead sentenced to two life sentences. Randy was persistent though and he wasn't giving up. About three months after he was sent to prison, he requested that the investigators test the DNA of another man who was in prison with him named Jesse Matthew. He said that Jesse's DNA was likely to match the unidentified DNA that was found in Alexis's car. At the time of Randy's request, Jesse was charged with the killing of a University of Virginia student named Hannah Graham. They did eventually test the DNA, and in January of 2015, it was determined that Jesse was not a match to the DNA in Alexis's car. Jesse did later end up being charged with the murder of two women. December 3rd, 2020, there was some sort of light shined on this case. The remains of Alexis were finally found seven years after her disappearance. Randy had worked with the police, providing them details on the location of her body. Her remains were officially identified on February 5th, 2021. Even though Randy helped lead them to the remains, there was no deal made in return. Attorney Daniel Rutherford said, I can empathetically state that we didn't negotiate nor talk with Mr. Taylor. Me, being the Commonwealth's attorney office, we don't negotiate with murderers. We don't reduce their sentencing. As of today, all appeals that have been filed by Randy have been denied. We will never know the exact details as to what exactly led Alexis to Randy's house, but no reason at all is enough to justify why she had to die and in the manner that she died. Not just that, but 
for Randy to dispose of her body and then hold on to that information for seven years, not allowing her family nor her to rest in peace. Ugh, it's disgusting. This holiday season, remember that as much as these stories intrigue us, there are friends and family of these people who, if nothing else, have lost a loved one. This story, as well as last week's story about Sasha, just goes to show how dangerous it is to be a woman. Neither of these women did anything at all to explain why they were killed. They were just going about their life to have it ended by a piece of shit man. Today, it was about a guy who held the door open for her at a gas station. Last week with Sasha, it was the security officer who was meant to protect. You never know anyone, no matter how nice they look or act. This is going to close this out not only for the week, but for the year as well. I will be taking the next few weeks off to enjoy the holiday time with my family. 2021 is ending better than I could ever imagine. I had the idea for this show for so long, so to see it actually becoming reality right now is, you know, I talk about it, but it's still like an out-of-body experience for me. I would have been happy if even five people I didn't know listened to this weekly, but to have almost a thousand downloads in a few months is better than I could have ever imagined. Please continue to spread the word and share because I have so much more that I'm ready to give for 2022. Even though I won't have new episodes going out for the next few weeks, I promise that doesn't mean that I won't be working. I'm going to be using this time to prepare more shows for you all, um, do TikTok videos, and so much more. Now that I've started, I'm more motivated than ever to give you all everything I can. So make sure you don't miss out on anything. Remember, follow our show on Instagram at Season Crime, as well as on TikTok, also at Season Crime and I will be posting consistently over these next couple weeks. I set out on a mission to be able to use my voice to not only share something that interested me, but to highlight those who have been hidden. And this is just the beginning for us. Season Crime will be back with brand new episodes on January 4th. Happy holidays, everybody, to you and your family. I'll see you all in 2022. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Season Crime. Today's episode was researched, edited, and recorded by your host, Jasmine Nicole.